already think we ain't going to get out till 2 o'clock. I'm going to surprise you. And, uh, <laughs> and it's a successful family. Boy, it's something to work at. It's something we have to deal with. Uh, back to the family and how to encourage and, and, and so forth. I mean, the, the process sometimes can be rough. Because there is no perfect parents. We, we don't get a book saying, hey, this is how you do this thing. He says, a special means excludes or precludes someone else from being special, then we're not. Everyone has something special to offer in a family. Every person in that family has God's divine purpose. You understand that? Even though it may be wrong. But in the family is where you sharpen each other. It's in the family where you're tested with each other. It's in the family that, boy, they really know if you are what you say you are. At times you just act on emotions because you are frustrated. Any parents get frustrated here? And we're just acting on emotions. And don't know what else to do as a parent to work out a bad situation. You finally just throw up your hands and start yelling. We don't yell, do we? See, I bet Dee don't yell in her home. <laughs> when things cool off, then you try to figure out what needs to be done. And go from there. And go from there. We try to figure it out. And then, boy, we want to go from there. You heard a little bit of this last week, even, in this area. It is better by far to grow healthy children into healthy adults than it is to repair old men and women. Trying to correct something after we get grown is difficult. It's hard. But while you're growing them up, that's why the scripture says to train up a child in the way what? It should go, not the way it wants to go. And guess what? The child will never go the way you want it to go. That takes some doing. But if you can raise that child in the nurture and fear of the Lord. That child has a good chance of having a holistic life without a lot of repairs. Now understand, we all come with baggage. And we all come with our hurts and our pains. We all come with our scars and so forth. Why? Because that's part of life. That's part of life. There is no perfect home. But one of the things that you have to understand about family also is that, and we're going to talk about this further later on, the ability to dream, to teach your children to dream. But if you're going to dream, and this is one of the problems why children don't dream or set high lofty goals, is because they don't know how to sacrifice. You have to teach children to sacrifice. You have to teach children to give of themselves. 
You have to teach them that giving is better than what? Receiving. Because oftentimes all children want to do is just receive. And guess what a lot of adults want to do? They just want to receive, but they don't want to what? Give. And you have to teach children how to give. Because just like that little child with 10, 15 toys, they don't want to share, but you've got to teach them to do what? Share. You get a lot of adults that don't want to share. And part of that has been the problem of how we've been raised. But dreams require sacrifice. And if you're not willing to make sacrifice, sacrifices in your life, to give up this or give up that to be able to achieve this, that child's going nowhere. It takes a sacrifice to get through school. It takes a sacrifice to hold down a job. It takes a sacrifice to help somebody else or meet somebody else's need outside of your own. It's a sacrifice. But you have to learn to do that. And if you don't learn to make sacrifices along the way, you hurt the child. You hurt the child. And the child most likely will never be able to establish their own dreams because they don't know how to sacrifice for them. Now, there is a threefold development that has to be taught that is critical to successful living. We see so many young men and women today that are hurting themselves. Now, Understand this, mom and dad. Don't relinquish control until they're grown and they're ready to fly. The moment a child can start thinking for itself and wanting for itself and desiring for itself, it will tell you what it wants and you're supposed to go get it. (laughs) The child will tell you what they don't want. Your thing is to make sure you give them what they have need of. That they have need of. Here are three areas that are critical, I think. To help the child develop the mind, help the child develop the body, and their reproductive drive. That last is the most dangerous of today. The young men that I worked with this past summer, we talked about having children out of wedlock, and I told them, figure it up. You're 17, 16, 17. Let's say you have your first child at 18, your second child at 20. And you're not married, but you're paying child support as soon as you get a job. And let's say child support is $65 a week. Start adding that up for the next 20 years. When you have a child, what might it stop you from accompanying? You can't go here or there maybe. You can't uh, finish your education because now the demands of a needs of a child, there are things that... That child requires now that the court says is more important than your life. 
a young girl who has a child before ready, before marriage, how does that hinder? What are the problems that set in? Those things need to be shared. Those things need to be talked about because they don't understand this principle. When you get married and you have children, your life is no more. Your life is no more. So we see a lot of young individuals in the daycare that don't know the first thing about mothering because life is still about them. And the child goes lacking. This is one of the biggest areas that Satan has taken hold of for young people's life and absolutely destroyed their lives in many ways. There are some victories, yes, praise God for that. But there are so many are going through hardships and pains and hurts because of that. Not understanding their reproduction and be able to handle their desire. The intellect, that mind, that's this boy, you can't do enough to challenge your child intellectually. You need to constantly be challenging your child over different subjects of life intellectually. You need to help them understand their physical body and the changes that that body will what? Walk through. Just because a young man comes to a point that he can look his daddy in the eye doesn't mean he's a man yet. But a lot of young men will do that. A lot of young ladies will do that. When they get up in height and say, boy, we eye to eye here, all of a sudden we lose who we are. I'm no longer mom and you the daughter. Somehow we become just equal. That don't work. I'm 71 years old and it still don't work. The whole process is that you will always be dad, you will always be mom, they will always be your children. Yes, it changes because they're adults and you respect that adulthood. Hey. But you need to take them through those adolescent times. You need to take them through that whole thing of teenagers. You need to take them through that young adulthood. You have to somewhat guide them and stir them through that. And you have to allow them to know something. They're okay. They're okay. Because children, more than anybody else, will ask this question, am I okay? Am I okay? Because the society that is around them will always be questioning their personhood. And the way that they decide to function and act and do. And it's okay sometimes to be weird. Sometimes it's okay to be different. 
And they need to know that. They need to know that. They need to know enough about their sexuality of who they are. And understand this. That sexuality blends into their area of their identity. And oftentimes identity is stolen because they are not aware of their own self-worth. They need to understand the psychological process of their mind and what that's going to do for them and the different thoughts that are going to come up and the different philosophies they're going to hear and how that's going to interact in their mind, in their thinking, in their reasoning. Because they're going to hear a little bit of everything and anything out here. And that goes in here. And when it goes in here, the first thing that it questions is this. Did mom and dad tell me the truth? It is amazing. When we used to work with kids, that kids used to tell us, well, my mom and dad just trying to manipulate me. Manipulate you for what? What do you got to trick you out of anything? You know? But they felt or sense that they were being manipulated or or formed or shaped the way their mom and dad wanted them to be shaped, and they couldn't be who they wanted to be, well, you need to compare what you want to be and what mom and dad want you to be. And sometimes you have to talk about that. What is it that you want to be? How do you see your life? Explain to me, how do you see yourself as a young man? Explain to me, how do you see yourself as a young man dating a young lady? How do you see yourself as a young woman dating a young man? Give me your values. Give me your standards. And you want to talk to them. And you want to hear them. That's all that psychological stuff that goes on up here. Because I hate to say it, when they hit a certain age... The best counselor sometimes for your children are their peers. And you want to be able to hold, you want to be able to be in that conversation. You want to be able to be in that mix. You want to be one of the voices that is speaking out. And the body issue is the appearance. I don't understand how a lot of young kids leave the house to dress the way they're dressed. But we've come to a place in our society that we have defined ourselves by the way we dress. That's why we have to have these kind of tennis shoes. We've got to have these name brand this. We've got to have this name brand this. And the question is that has to be asked in this whole perspective. If what you put on, does it define who you are? If it is, you do not have a good self-esteem about yourself. Because if all that was taken away, what psychological effects would it have on you? Because you are identifying and defining yourself by what you can put on yourself. And you want to also really be in that area of being in touch of what desires are. 
in the families, there's going to be these strong desires. All of us have them. Mom, dad has them. Uh, the kids have them. I, I desire a new uh, this, or I desire a new that, or I desire this here. See, my son-in-law the other day, boy, he just knew what grandma needed for Christmas. He's going to get her a walker. Now, do you think that's only Lane's desire list? <laughs> oh, Mark Jr., yeah. But, you know, he was just joking around with his mom. But, well, when I heard it, I kind of chuckled about it, you know. We are getting close to it, but we're not there yet. You see? But, but the thing is, what's the desire? Do you know the desires of your children? Do you know if your young man really desires to have a girlfriend? Do you know if your young lady knows that she desires to have a boyfriend? And then controlling that desire that you just don't accept what? Whatever comes. Being able to control it. And that's so important. The most important area that is developed last, that should be developed first, but oftentimes is developed last, is the spiritual part, because usually the parents aren't there spiritually, so that comes in last rather than what? First. And it should be one of those things that, boy, you hit it the moment that child is born, that you're praying over that child. You're praying God's blessing over that child. You're praying God's plan for his life over that child. You're praying that that child will hear the Holy Spirit speak to him, even at a very early age. And that you're reading scripture over the child. And you're reading with the child of scripture. And you're talking with the child about the Lord. Go with me to Psalms 119 verse 99. Psalms 119 verse 99. When you give your children insight to scripture, I don't care then who comes along and play the role of the teacher or play the one that's going to give instructions or play that area that they're going to give wise counsel. When you really anchor your children in the word of God, they have the ability then to be used of the Holy Spirit with this gift called discernment. They're able to begin to discern because now they have something to compare it with. So in that 119 verse 99 says, I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? Because of the relationship I have with God. I have more insight than that one who comes who thinks he's the wisest individual. I have more insight than that one who stands up there and teaches. That's not saying, boy, I'm not listening to the teacher, but it got something to compare it with. And if it's not right, they're able to just let it go. They're able to just let it go. But they have something to work with. Now, again, that whole process is that it is that area of different levels of growth in the family. And, and sometimes we miss that because just because we're all in the family, sometimes we're saying, boy, we're in the same household. We're all being raised the same. We're all getting the same information. What we forget in the family sometimes is that we're all on different spiritual levels of growth. 
we're all also hearing differently through our filters. We're all interpreting what we hear differently. We're interpreting mom and dad even differently. We're seeing mom and dad even differently. And we wind up interpreting differently. So it's good every now to sit down with the family and just ask this question. What do you like about your home? What do you like about this family? What don't you like about this family? What's the fun you have in this family? What's the struggle you have with this family? And you need to hear them. And give them that time that, boy, they're free to really express themselves. Why? They're at different levels. And you want to be able to hear from them. Without going to the school counselor talking about your family per se. And sometimes kids need an out somewhere. But that out should be right at home at the dinner table. That out should be right at home at night when we talk with our parents. That night is that we have a freedom to express ourselves. And just share honestly how we feel. If I don't like the family, I don't like it. Or if I don't like this rule, I don't like this rule. If I don't like this, I don't like it. And that's okay. That don't mean it'll change. But it gives an opportunity to what? To communicate and to share. And you want to have that. And... You want them to be able to renew their mind. You want them to really be able to renew their minds. And you want them to be able to take in what the Lord would have them to learn. Each person in the family has to make their own commitment to Jesus Christ. And I think sometimes we miss that because this is so important in the family area. If I don't make my commitment to Christ, how many of you understand this little thing? When you go out here in the world and you come back into the house, you track stuff that you learned out there or you picked up on the bottom of your shoes, you bring it right back where? into the house. And they usually have that mat there for you to do what? And you're, and you're wiping the dirt off. Now understand, the dirt you pick up in here, you don't have nothing to walk in the house with and wipe it off with. But it's, it's in here and you're wrestling with it. You're tussling with it. Especially if you don't believe in God. And therefore, under one household, you have that ability where you will have Christ as Lord, but then you will have the God of this world also where at? Under the same roof. And there's going to be clashes. There's going to be conflicts. Until the child and the parents all get on the same page. Now, just look at somewhat the complications of this whole process because, see, success is by direct obedience to the Holy Spirit. And that is for mom and children. 
is direct obedience to the leading of the Spirit of God as you learn the Word of God. Now, in the family there can be one saved and one not saved. You can have a saved husband or a saved wife or an unsaved husband and an unsaved wife. Right there, you got what? Confusion in the house. It's there automatically. Now, the next is both husband and wife are saved. We can say, boy, that's great. But one follows scripture and the other one, what? Flies off the top of their head. They both made a commitment, but one's in the word of God. One is constantly allowing the scriptures to mold them, shape them. Now, what the other one's not aware of, yes, they're saved, but all what they have learned in the past from Satan, they're not renewing their mind. So what kind of thought do they bring into the family? They bring in the worldly thought into the household to deal with problems. The other one's trying to bring in scriptural thoughts to deal with problems. Then we got a what? A clash. Eventually, in that situation, one shuts down, allow the one to deal with it, and frustration comes in when only one of us is always dealing with it. God didn't give us two parents because he knew the tough job it was going to be in raising children. That it takes both of us. It takes two of us. And it takes two of us willing to follow the scripture. But it can be in that household. Yeah, we're both saved, but we're not both living for the Lord. We're not both following what scripture says. Both parents saved, living out of the scripture, but the one child could be, what? Not saved. And when your child's not saved, you'll catch real quick this rebellion that comes up. Because everything you're trying to implement in your home from a Christian perspective, the child wants to do it what? And you'll hear this statement. Bobby's home, they don't do that in his home. Bobby's mom and dad let them have that and and do this. And what they've picked up is what Satan wants them to pick up in a philosophy. And... Watch this. They know how to put you on a real good guilt trip. Make you feel sorry. You're not providing for me. You're not doing for me. You don't love me. Like so-and-so parents. And that's why it's so important that your children understand again Joshua's principle. For me and my house, we will do what? Serve the Lord. For me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'll never forget one day, I come home, and the people calling about coming and putting a cable TV in. And my three little kids then got their heads together, and they're going to order cable TV. And I remind them, one, you don't have no TV to hook cable to. 
And secondly, you don't have no home to bring it into. You're just visitors here, passing through. And I thought we ended it. Wasn't long, boy, I'm, I'm hearing about a telephone. All our friends got telephone. And they didn't order the telephone. I told them, y'all can get it. Tell them to put it out on the telephone pole in the back. And whenever it rains, y'all run on outside and get it. As kids grow, grow up, they also begin to take possession. Because in one sense, they sense and feel... This is my house, but not making one mortgage payment, not paying one bill, but this is their house. And you have to watch how much they begin to take over because some parents allow their children to really take over their home. Their complete family is saved and following the Lord. That's the blessing. That's the blessing. But it takes work to get there. Three things here real quick. Get ready to close out. The spirit is the teacher. Dad and mom, as the spirit teaches you, you teach your children. But you have to understand, you have the privilege of instructing your children. But you may not be able to do that inward teaching that's being done. And you have to be able to recognize that. That just like it took you time to learn it, it's going to take them a little time, what? To learn it. You are to guide them. You are, yes, to instruct them. Yes, you do teach them. But the scripture makes it very clear. There's only one true teacher, and that's the Holy Spirit. And you want to be able to instruct them, train them, guide them. But always recognize the true teacher is the Holy Spirit. Secondly, we in the family are the students. Everybody in the family, from dad, guess what? Dad never been married before. Dad didn't know what a wife was. Uh, dad didn't know what a father, being a father is. He is being what? A student. And sometimes you have to even share that with your children. I'm learning just like you're learning about being in a family. I'm learning how to be committed and loyal to a family just like you're learning. Just because you see that I'm 21 or I'm 30 or whatever, uh, I don't have it all together, but I'm looking to the one who has it all together that he trains me to be a good father to you. And you need to share that, that they know that you don't have it what? All together. We are all students. We're all learning in the family. But God is teaching us all from a different perspective. He's teaching the husband to be a godly father, a godly husband, a godly Christian. He's teaching that father. He's teaching that mother to be a godly wife, a godly mother with good sound advice for her children. How to be that homemaker and sometimes being the homemaker and also the one who works outside. It's a lot. But God is teaching her how to even handle all that. And then he's teaching the children how to respect their parents, to respect their mom and dad, 
to hear their mom and dad, to listen to their mom and dad. He's teaching the children how to trust a mom and dad. All that is going on in this little thing called the family. And the Holy Spirit is directing it all. He's dealing with all of it. And then, the thing that oftentimes we miss in in the family is that dad himself is not the textbook. Dad is not the final authority. It's the word of God. And we need to allow our children and remind ourselves the textbook for life for me is the word of God. So we all understand something. We're all on this journey of learning. We're all on this journey of renewing our minds. We all, from a biblical perspective, have a responsibility of how we're going to respond to one another. And we need to understand that it's the textbook, is the Bible. That it equips me for every area of life. For each stage of life. It equips me. The family helps each other. Intellectually, we communicate. And we need to communicate. Communicate about everything. Because in the communication with each other, we're going to learn each other. We're going to pick up knowledge of each other. I can think I know my child, but until I'm really talking with my child, (laughs) my child will give me different insight about themselves as they're growing if I'm communicating with them. I'm also sharing with my children about my aches and my pains and where I'm at and what I'm looking for in the future. That one day I'm looking to retire. One day I'm looking to do this. Or me and mom are looking for life in this area after you guys are gone. You're sharing with each other and you're giving knowledge to each other. That is so important. And the thing about if you really communicate with each other, they know you're interested in them because you are listening. You are listening. The most important people to listen to is right there in your home. Learn to listen. Learn to listen. Emotional beings, we're emotional beings. In the family, guess what? You have that privilege of learning to cry with each other. You have the privilege of hurting with each other. And and it all starts right there, learning how to minister to people through their hurts and their cries and their time to, to know how to go up and really minister to someone else. It, it starts right there. It's the time in the family for laughter that you're able to laugh with each other because it's fun. It's fun. And, and it's surprising that some of those moments at the last part of life is going, can be some of the most laughing moments. 
I wish I would have had a camera of my dad and my brother. My brother, boy, he couldn't stand dad. He couldn't do this. Dad knew it all. Dad was this and dad was that. And one day I go in the house and they both sleeping on dad's bed. And I wish I would have had a picture of that. My dad's 90-something years old. My brother's 72, 73 years old. And they both stretched out on the bed, sleep. And he would come almost every day. Now this man, all of a sudden, who you couldn't stand, you're spending every day with him. And to even watch them, sometimes with laughable moments. And we learn in a family to have fun. Did I somewhat demonstrate just Skippy? Oh, my kids sometimes in the mall was embarrassed to skip with me. And I'd take Tyler's hand, Faith's hand, and we go skipping down to the mall, you know. To them it was embarrassing in case their friends saw. Yeah. But you do those things. You have fun with each other. You play with each other. That's that emotional part that is being developed and so forth. And then the physical being. Hey, Elaine had to help me with this a lot because I wasn't a hugger. And she really helped me to learn how to hug, you know. And, and the whole process is to hug your kids, kiss your kids, touch your kids. They need that. Why? They're physical beings. That touch can be reassuring. That hug says a great deal. That whole area that, yes, when you kiss your son even. Why? Men aren't supposed to what? But it one of the blessings, what we forget that came along with the blessing in the Old Testament of the Father was also the kiss. The kissing. And you're going to wrestle and fight with each other. They're going to fight. And that's okay. Okay. Because that's part of their growing up in there. The thing is, what you want to do is teach them not to fight each other, though. But it's going to happen. That's the nature of it in the family. But that's your teaching moment. To teach them how much they love each other. See, Faith and Gus, boy, I called them fighting. I told them, okay, y'all want to fight? We'll fight. I'm going to be the referee. See? And I said, Faith, wind up. Hit Gus as hard as you can hit him. And told Gus, you stand there. Don't you duck. Don't you try to move. You hit him. What she do? That ain't no hit. Hit that boy. What she do? She start crying. Gus, you hit Faith. He didn't want to hit her. That's my sister. Well, she was your sister when you were what? When you were fighting. That was your sister. And the whole process is that, yes, you want to go out there and you want to stop as soon as you can. 
with it. But you want them to recognize how much love they have for each other. They have a great love for each other. But sometimes you have to help kids bring that out. That they really do love each other. And then the spiritual being. We all help guide, but back again. The Holy Spirit is the teacher. The Holy Spirit, he teaches. And then understand a person is to know when the Holy Spirit is the only one who can meet the needs of a peculiar person, a special person. Philippians 4.19, that my God will meet what? All of your needs. He's more than able. But you have to give him that opportunity. And God puts us in this family to sharpen each other, to minister to each other, to grow with each other. But while that is taking place, he's there to meet our needs. All of us, from dad, mom, brother, sister, all of us. And what we have to recognize is that that's a reality. Amen? Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord that you're there to meet all of our needs and that, Lord, you're teaching us how to live in this thing called family. And, Lord, we understand that there can be times of struggle and there can be times in which we're fighting and there can be times, Lord, that we're laughing and there can be times that we're crying. But we thank you that we can experience all of this together. And that's what makes us a family. And I pray, Father, that we would recognize that, Lord, in our spiritual life, we're all on a different level. But yet, Lord, you're working in us and through us for your glory. And we give you praise and we give you thanks. And we pray, Lord, that you would just comfort us in the setting that you have us in. For Paul says, I know how to be content in the situation I'm in. That from the children to the parents, that Lord, that there would be a contentment because you're the one that's in charge. You're the one that's over them. And that they realize they're overcomers. Facing battles, yes, but they're overcomers. So, Lord, may you continue to work through us in this whole process, in this area of family. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. And, Father, we want to pray for this one. I don't know what news they may have heard. I don't know what may have happened. But, Lord, you know you're not being caught off guard. But you're more than able. Minister to her, I pray in Jesus' name. Yes. Okay. Then he's doing communion and then go over there.